name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 708. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to go over a few things. One is apologies. Okay. And two is... Um, there's a podcast that I love to listen to called Freakonomics, and uh, they just recently did an episode called Swearing is More Important Than You Think, mm. and it made me think that we've been doing this podcast for, oh, I don't know, about 12 years. I don't know if we've ever talked about the topic of swearing, but I think from a parental um, viewpoint, it's an important topic to sure. have. So I might play a few clips from this Freakonomics podcast. My hope is if you like this discussion, that you'll head on over to Freakonomics uh, and listen to that podcast. Um, but first, I want to say thanks to a few brand new Team Zen members. And by the way, sweetie, did you know if you become a Team Zen member, even if it's just for a week, you get either fuzzy socks or a T-shirt? Mm, the socks are so good. I like T-shirts, but the socks are great. Um, so I want to say welcome to Mary Ellen from Crystal Lake and Tammy from Redondo Beach, California. Thanks so much for joining the team. And we look forward to seeing you soon. As far as upcoming events on Team Zen, uh, there's a, far, a few micro-community uh, talks this week. Um, differently wired families, dealing with addiction. And then John Duffy and I are doing something on May 12th, Friday, May 12th. And then four days later, we're having Mike Domish on the show. And so, he's going to talk about consent and sexual assault. And uh, John Duffy has written a bunch of books on teenagers, how to deal with teenage boys, how to deal with teenage girls, things like that. So busy month. Yeah, next women's group is Jan or uh, June because... Um, this month is busy because we have a daughter graduating and such. There's a few things on the agenda, you know what I mean? That's right. So we had to postpone the women's group to June, but it'll it'll be here sooner than you know it. That's right. So um, I got an email from a guy named Jason Gaddis, who has been on the podcast two or three times. Uh, he wrote an amazing book on conflict and how to deal with conflict called Getting to Zero. And he wrote an email. I'm on his list, so it's like an email list. But I thought it was interesting, and we'll just take a, a quick minute to talk about this, and then we'll get into the swearing thing. Um, so Jason's email says, I generally believe that apologies are overrated. However, if you're planning to apologize, do, the three, do these three things before you say I'm sorry. So let's pause before that. Generally believing that apologies are overrated. Now, I think that that is a statement that can get a lot of critiques. What does that mean? Well, I think it means different things to different people. I can tell you what it means for me. Okay. Um, I think the words I'm sorry many times are used as a crutch to either stop feeling uncomfortable and it really isn't a vehicle. I think apologies, how they were conceived, are an opportunity to connect deeply and vulnerably with somebody. And in my judgment, uh, I and I would judge a lot of other people out there sometimes just say, I'm sorry because they think they may have done something wrong and they're trying to pacify it. And I just thought of another thing. Um, there's a whole, um, you and I have talked about this YouTube clip. I think it's Dove or one of those, and they have a sorry, not sorry mm -hmm, campaign. Mm -hmm. And this is specific to girls. Mm -hmm. Women. Women mm -hmm. apologizing when there's no need to apologize mm -hmm. at all. As a matter of fact, and I promise I won't forget, I'll include that YouTube commercial that takes, it's like two minutes, but it's great because I have three daughters, I have a wife, um, and I have, plenty of friends, male friends, who I can think of right now. One guy's name is Jim, and the other guy's name is Mike, and they're the apologizer. They apologize all the time, 
even though they did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what seems to be sincere apologies are really not apologies. You know, sometimes what my girlfriends and I have talked about before is what? that, like, I'll run into a couch and I'll apologize. Yes. There you go. That's a good <laughs> And, example. I mean, and there's so many versions of that. Running into a wall, um, you know, like, kind of tripping over something that is inanimate, but then we say sorry. And that's how you know something's ingrained. Like, right. That you're going to right away throw an apology out there. So, yeah, I guess in summation, my viewpoint is many apologies are out there are not heartfelt mm. and they're just kind of used as a as in a bridge just to move on well i think that so my viewpoint yeah what that you know what that means is that you're saying sometimes it's used to pacify which i totally hear i think that's very true sometimes people use it as a crutch um uh -oh. oh no sorry um, <laughs> Get it, sweetie? I do. Um, but I also think that sometimes people use it proactively, like, ooh, I, I don't want to cause any problem. Like, I kind of feel like the way you're framing it is like people trying to manipulate a system. And I think some people are trying to avoid causing any problems within mm -hmm. a system. Mm -hmm. But my my the way I look at an apology is the whole point of it is to take responsibility for yes. behavior. That's why you apologize. And I would hope that it's also to express some sadness. Like if I hurt you, I'm feeling sad. So it's a vehicle of communication of if I just did something to harm you, that doesn't feel really good over in my world. Mm -hmm. Take responsibility. Steve. Take responsibility. Yeah. So Jason goes on. Is there anything else you want to say in general about apologies before um, I talk about what Jason says? I think sometimes um, we also, so take responsibility is the best uh, case scenario. And by the way, there's, I have a really... I have pain in my mouth, so if I'm talking a little stunted, that's why you I gotta, can talk. You gotta ice that thing. Sweetie. I know it's ow, ow, ow. And it's on your mouth or your tongue? I don't know. Oh. I, I I can't tell. It's like a big cut in okay. my mouth. So anyway, ah, uh, um, so there is. Let me get some oh, salt. <laughs> oh God, don't even say that. <laughs> I'm actually drinking one of these seltzers yeah. because it's like it's got bubbles yeah. and it like feels good, you know? Temporarily. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, soothes it for a second. But anyway, if I'm talking funny, that's why. Um, I think sometimes apologies are used to unload pain. Off like, of myself. Yes. If I'm the one apologizing, yes. I'm unloading my own pain and sometimes yes. sending it over to you. Now, sometimes you can do them all at once. You can take responsibility, unload pain, acknowledge someone else. Like, it, there's, there's not one way. Sometimes we have a lot of different layers of why we apologize. Sure. But... It's just, you know, and then one more time, and then you can move on. Sure. Then there's also the apology that we teach that is like just words. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in it. Yes. There's, it's completely hollow. Yes. It's the, you ran into this person, say you're sorry, sorry. Yeah. And it's just a word right. and there's no learning in it. So there's lots of different ways. Well, that's funny. Before I go into Jason's three things that you should do before you say you're sorry, mm -hmm. as parents, I've seen this so many times at the playground or whatever, Go say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's good modeling of what a, an apology means. And maybe it's when it's a three-year-old kid, yeah. you're trying to help them Teach understand the impact. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea of forcing an apology or like, let's say you hurt me, right? I need you to say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. Then it's not authentic. Right. I think that's... I need an... I demand an apology from you. That's that's not what an, that's not what sorry is supposed to mean. True. But that's a societal expectation. Right. We were actually just talking in the car on the way home. Tom and I were gone this weekend. And we were talking about like what society 
wants you to do versus what makes the most sense and what is more like a full-bodied type of apology. Sure. We weren't talking about apologies in the car, but it, it fits the same thing. And sometimes people be like, well, I understand, you know, I'm self-aware and that's not what an apology does. So I'm not going to apologize to you because that's not really what's happening. But the other person who may not be well-versed in this topic is expecting an apology. You know what I mean? Like there is a societal expectation that when you do something, you say you're sorry. And I'm just saying that if I have to ask for it, then it doesn't count. Correct. So you're talking about the person who's saying, give me the yeah, apology. Yeah, I demand an apology. That's, Absolutely. That doesn't make sense to me. And it especially doesn't make sense if you're saying in an anger, angrily, <laughs> angered way. In an angry way. Um, yeah. Apologize to me. And someone's like, well, okay, then I'm sorry. And you're like, good. It's like, what came How out of that? How did that feel? Nothing happened. That didn't help me. Yeah. 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 So, um, so Jason says, do these three things before you say sorry. Own what you did. Mm-hmm. Take responsibility. I screwed up and did blank. Mm-hmm. Or I forgot to include you. Or I shut down and pulled away. The more specific yes. to your situation that you could be. Like, yes. you know when people are like, I was a jerk. It was like, what does that mean? Right. What does that mean you were a jerk? Like, that's a very passive, let's sweep it under the rug. Um, I'm just trying to appease you. Versus the, during the discussion last night, I wasn't listening. And I know I really, um, uh, you know... I was distracted and I realized that now and I'm sorry. I recognize what you were recognizing. Right. And you can also even say, I was really distracted last night. Let me tell you why. I got some bad news from work and I know you were trying to tell me something important, but you are more important. But in that moment, I was worried about work. And so a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to give all my power away. There's a reason why I feel this way. So you can share that. I just remembered one of the... Famous apologies on popular culture. Which one? Any idea what I'm about to play? I have no idea. Seinfeld. Oh. So it's when George um, loans George loans a sweater to James Spader's character. Uh-huh. And I forget how who exchanges who with what, but I don't think you need to know the specifics. Here we go. I don't know if I'm into that. <laughs> oh, hello, Hanky. Others? George. You know, Jason, I, uh, I couldn't help notice. I... I didn't get my apology. Apology for what? A drafty apartment, a sweaterless friend, a ball game giveaway, met life windbreaker. George, come on, not that neck hole thing. Yeah, the neck hole thing, and I would appreciate it if you would say you're sorry. No way, you would have completely stretched it out. You're an alcoholic! You have to apologize! <laughs> Step nine! Step nine! All right, George, all right, I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. I'm so sorry that I didn't want your rather bulbous head struggling to find its way through the normal-sized neck hole of my finely knit sweater. Oh, my God, that's so good. Well, and people do that a lot. Like, if someone demands an apology, they don't necessarily... They're not as sharp as James Spader, but they'll say things like, okay, I'm sorry that you were offended by the things I said. And what they're doing is passing it off to the other person's experience. Exactly. Um, Okay. Uh, Number two, empathize with them, all right? I imagine the impact on your hurt was blank. Mm -hmm. On Uh, your hurt? On your hurt, yeah. The impact on your hurt. Yeah, so you got hurt because I said something wrong. I imagine that the impact on your hurt was blank. Okay. All right? It's interesting language, but I like it. You must feel really bad given what I did. Okay. Sweetie's struggling with these examples. Okay. Uh, Ugh, I can't blame you for how you feel. That must suck right now. Yeah. I and like then that. I would feel angry too. Yeah. All right. And then last but not least, validate their feelings. 
Your feelings make sense to me. Yeah, I, I feel like that's some, a sentence that I say quite a bit. It makes sense because I hurt you. Yeah. Your frustration and anger with me makes sense because dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you said was really important. The more specific mm-hmm. you can get, mm-hmm. the better. And I think a lot of weak apologies are more general. Yeah, I think what is, if you're really... That's why I was kind of sharing an example where you can share your experience too, but also relaying back what somebody told you. Or if you know some really, one really well, like Todd knows it's very important for me um, that listening is very important. Like when I'm sharing something, if Todd's on his phone or his computer or he's like walking into different rooms, um, I feel unhurt. You know, and, and again, this is going to sound really like I – Sometimes Todd and I are having normal conversation and all that's fine. I don't care if he does all that. But sometimes I'm sharing something that's kind of deep and he's so distracted. And I really appreciate it when he's like, oh, you know what? You're right. I am doing that. Hold on. Let me sit down. Let me listen. I was not. It it was like he understands me. He doesn't have to say, how are you feeling about what I'm doing? He knows me, Mm -hmm. right? And so there is like a second, there's, what is it called? A shorthand. Yeah. Where he's like, totally, I get it. I know what I'm doing here. Um. And then he doesn't need to say, and I am so sorry. He's just saying you're right, you know? And uh, can you think of one for me with you? Not off the top of my head. Okay. But I'm sure there's plenty both ways. Well, I think that I I feel like recently I was apologizing to you. Oh, there was something we were doing at night and I promised you something. (laughs) You want to be more specific? No, I don't. No. Um, and I was like saying, yes, and this is, you know, we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do this. And I totally didn't do any of it. Mm-hmm. So like in the morning I was like, you know what? I said all these things mm-hmm. and I made all these big promises and I did none of it cause I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And you're like, it's fine. Yeah. But it's like, I'm taking full, I know that I did that. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll make all these promises and then in the morning, we feel bad that we didn't follow through. And we'll say something like, well, you knew I was tired. Yeah. I can't believe you thought I was going to really do that. And we blame the other person. No, and I think what you're right is it's a simple acknowledgement. Yeah, it's acknowledgement. Like, I know that I'm tuned into you mm-hmm. enough to know mm-hmm. that whatever I did or didn't do impacted mm-hmm. you. And I'm guessing that that doesn't feel real great. Or and I think you really, um, what's the word? You deflate. Because I think in the morning... You didn't seem mad at me, Mm-mm. but I think if you would have thought about that for a while, you might have been like, that was annoying. Mm-hmm. If anything, annoying. Well, if not, maybe it's like a micro cut yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And if you have enough micro cuts that aren't acknowledged, yeah. they turn into big Death cuts. by a thousand cuts, yeah, right? right? And so it's like, you weren't mad, but I think all I did was take responsibility for it so you could take it off your list. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's just take care of business. Like, this is something... Sometimes people ask me like, well, what did you do when you got into this big fight or tell me about your worst fight or tell, or like, you know, when your kids are yelling or they ask questions as if it's already gotten really far, Mm -hmm. like that we've gotten to this really scary place. And the thing I often say to people is I definitely have issues with you or my kids just like them. But I think a, a slight difference is I try to not let it simmer or not let it get bigger or push it away so it never gets to that point where someone's yelling at someone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you just handle it if you're aware. Like, sometimes someone's got to make the other person know, hey, this offended me. We didn't know it all, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have to share with each other, and that's very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, So in closing this, I will say um, one thing that Jason has in a framework in his book is called LUFU, 
listen until the other person feels understood. It's just a, it's the science of how to listen yeah. to one another. And we did a whole podcast on this, and I'll include it in the show notes here. It's podcast number 695, and it was called How to Listen to Each Other. And we did it not too long ago, 695. So we're on 707, so it was a few months ago. So okay. anyways, okay, we're going to head on over to the swearing topic. And before okay. I play any of these clips, um, how about we both reveal our... Um, experience of swearing, both if you do it, how you experience when others do it, and maybe even through a parenting lens. And why don't you start? Or I'm happy to start too. Sure, go ahead. I've noticed that I'm not a big swearer, specifically around the kids, but Mm -hmm. even around you. Mm -hmm. The where I swear most is watching a game with buddies, Mm -hmm. with friends. And I also swear a lot when I'm coaching guys. And Mm. I don't know, I think I use it more as an attention grabber mm. or maybe in a, a way to kind of connect and relate a little bit more. And if I don't swear, I feel like it's not as connecting or not as um, awakening, mm-hmm. I guess. And it could be... Or not as relating. Yeah, something like that. I think I think it's something about not making things too formal. Yeah. Um, but basically my experience with swearing and, and, and my experience is changing as we speak because mm-hmm. I'm like... You don't have to swear. There's a lot of words out in the English language that you can use other than curse words sure. to get your point across. And I also noticed, because I listened to this whole Freakonomics podcast, it's a sense of control. I mm. need to be in control. And if I'm using curse words, slur words, then I feel out of control. So I'm not as comfortable with appearing out of control to others. Yeah, And that's something I need to work through because I'm a human being that has, you know, a whole bandwidth of his relationship with control, but I'm trying to keep everything so tight in my life that I don't want to be perceived as, as anything else. And probably there's like a good boy, a goody, yeah, a I think goody two shoes mm-hmm. in there. So like I said, I'm not saying I'm right. I, as a matter, as a matter of fact, I think you have a healthier relationship with swearing, which we're about to experience with, which you're about to share than I do. So I think I have more work ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's me. I like swearing. Um, I swear more than you. Um, you were with my girlfriends and I this weekend. You had a lot of time with us. I swear all the time with them. Mm-hmm. Like we swear, like we use our languages for us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're not always out in the world doing that, but we we speak a certain way to each other. Um, we don't swear at each other. We just use swear words. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more comfortable with it. A lot of times when I present, I use swear words. Um I felt very, uh, I, I don't, I, I guess I'm doing it for effect, but I'm also trying to be myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would say that sentence. I'd mm-hmm. use a word in there, like, you know, and we, it's so funny to do this podcast because Todd and I, since this is a kids and family and parenting podcast, parents listen to this show with their kids. Yeah. And we have a rating of we're, like, we are non-explicit. We're non-explicit. So we really can't swear here. So it's. Whereas it, head on over to pop culture. We swear all the time. Yeah. Um, and, but it's not like, okay, like the Freakonomics podcast that you were talking about, about swearing, they went into the history of swearing and like where it comes from. There's a lot of religion around it, a lot of puritanical culture yeah. around it, a lot of um, language to oppress people, mm-hmm. to like divide us. All, there's all these reasons, just like there is for everything of why certain words become okay or not okay. 
And I like to obviously stay in within somewhat of the norms of our society. Like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like throw words out there to shock people. I'm using pretty typical language. Um, and then there's some words, uh, swear words I don't like. I don't like the B word. I know my daughter's generation use it more commonly in a um, a way to relate to each other. It's more like a, a fun word. You know, like, I know it sounds crazy to say a fun word was such a strong word. I, from my generation, have a different connotation with the B word, so I don't use it naturally. Um, uh, uh, and, and then I just, like Todd said, like he, I, I told him the other day when he said he wanted to talk about swearing that I remember he told me early in our relationship I have no rec- recollection of this, by the way, yeah. what you're about to say. And I believe you, by the way. Yeah, but it was I don't something remember. he loved his stepfather very, very much. He was a wonderful man. And I think your stepfather at one point told you, you know, I, I'm not really, it's, I don't like it when women swear. He was wonderful, by the way. I'm not throwing Richie under the bus, but he had a very, he had a more like religious background. It was an old school. Old school. Women, women shouldn't swear, kind of like women should be more composed. And you told me that a few times when we were first dating. It didn't stop me from swearing, but I was conscious of the fact mm-hmm. that you didn't love it. Yeah. And, but I also was like, this is, I mean, I grew up in a small town and, I, I mean, like there was a way we talked, like, I don't know, I know how to do work culture language too. Like I know how to not swear. Obviously I'm a teacher, you know, I work with children my whole life, but I just feel like a reality, man. That's right. John Cougar's new. John Cougar Mellencamp. So he said John Cougar. Well, John Cougar Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. Where is this, in, where does this song rank in your John Mellencamp song? Well, I was born in a small town. Uh, probably number three. Oh, really? I think it's more top five for me. Maybe. Yeah, yeah this is, this song played a really big role in my life. I remember when I really liked it. Like, it was sometime in my early 20s, and I thought, oh, I'm going to play this song at my mm-hmm. wedding. We didn't play this song at our wedding. Oh, we didn't? No. Sweetie, the um, the speakers weren't loud enough. You want to do it again? Um no, no, oh, at, at our, our wedding. wedding. I thought you meant you wanted to play this song. No, no. Oh, oh, I don't even want to talk about Do you that. want to know what I think is one of the most underrated John Mellencamp songs? Which that one? nobody ever plays? Are you going to play Paper and Fire? No. Are you familiar? Yeah. Um, I saw her first. Impressive. It's called Key West Intermezzo. And nobody ever talks about this song. I saw you first. I saw you first. The handmaid that so this you is- want to know what my number one is? Tell me. A Peaceful World. Oh, really? Uh, it's John Mellencamp and India Ari, and um, I've always loved it. It's on a bunch of my playlists. I think I used it in a Zen parenting moment. This is probably my top ten. Mellencamp. I know he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and everything, but... Yeah. I think he gets forgotten by how amazing it is. Amazing he is. Was it is. Come on, baby, take a ride me. I'm from Everything is cool as can be in a Big fan. Great song. Indiana. Indiana. I mean, I'm not from Indiana, I'm from Illinois, but right this Midwestern area. Um, do you mind if I play a clip from this podcast? No, go ahead. This is called Why We Swear. It's almost a minute, but this is the longest clip. So just so you know, because okay. I know you get mad at me. When, I do, when it's when too I long. Too- to the why, the purpose of swearing, and obviously it differs from person to person, situation to situation. Even I can think of 
a lot of different reasons. You might be angry. You might be disgusted. You might be trying to elicit humor from someone else. You might be trying to bond. You might be trying to show that you are your own person and I won't be bound by society's rules. If I ask you to give the answer to the title of this one book of yours, Why We Curse, why do we? How answerable is that question? You just answered it. <laughs> Stephen, you just elaborated a lot of the So reason. I'm not going to play the rest of that, but uh, it just has a lot of different uses. It does. Which he just explained. You know what? Life is ridiculous. And sometimes we need to use words to be like, this is, and, and I would use, I'd say effing ridiculous. Like, yeah. I, like life is, is ridiculous. And sometimes a day is effing hard. And yeah. sometimes this is freaking whatever. Like, I'm, you know, I can't use it, but it, nothing else works. Like yeah. to say, I had such a hard day. It's like, no, no, that's not what happened today. Yeah. And I like to use humor. I don't use, and I think you will attest to this. I don't know if you've ever heard me swear in anger. I don't use swearing to mm, be angry. Yeah. Um, I've never sworn at someone. Um, I, But I use it with humor and I use it to tell stories. So I think people who use, you know, is it, so I'm going to do a teeny transition. And if you want to pull back and we'll go back into it later, that's fine. But like with my children, the things that I've taught them about swearing is you don't use words on someone. Mm. You don't call them a name. You don't use this name or word, no matter what it is, to like to point someone out. I, I don't know how to say that any different. Like you don't call someone, but you might say certain behavior is a certain way or I'm feeling this certain way. But um, I'm very, I really have this belief that um, you know, again, we've talked about this on the show before, but it, this is a good show to rediscuss it, that words have energy, mm -hmm. right? And words are things, you know, the whole Maya Angelou thing that she says that I fully agree with words are things. They get into your body, they get into your clothes, they get into the room. They have, they have a heaviness or a lightness. And I'm very thoughtful about the words I choose. And when you use a word and you put it on someone like you're a B or you're an A or you're whatever... Ugh, like it makes me, it gives me a stomach ache. Like yeah. it's a really, but you can use the same word and put it in a sentence in a different way and it becomes humor. Yeah. So you just have to be thoughtful about the use. So if there's anybody listening out there that have young kids, uh, I you probably know this, uh, but the most, and if you don't want your three-year-old to be dropping F-bombs, the best thing you can do. Is not swear in front of them. Well, and when they do swear, to ignore it as if it's a normal word. Because right. the minute you bring up a, a lot of attention to it, <gasps> where did you hear that word, right. blah, blah, right. blah. It's not a good idea because they are tr they're stimulated by your response, right? And there's two extremes to that because we've got the the parents who freak out and say, "Where'd you hear that? Oh my god, you can't say that." And then there's these. I see this on Instagram and on TikTok all the time. A kid will use a swear word, and the mom and dad will start recording them and say, "What'd you say? What'd you say?" Oh. And they make <laughs> it like a show, like yeah. my kids using the f word. You're also reinforcing the use of mm -hmm. that. So that is one thing that. I feel like when the girls were little, I was not swearing around them, at least on purpose. I'm not saying they never heard me, but I was thoughtful about this yeah. is not the time. And at what age do you think you started relaxing uh, how often you would drop swear words? Well, we started talking about it when the girls were very young. Like, do you remember in my first book, In the Self-Aware Parent, I self-published it. It came out like when my girls were tiny. And I told a story about JC saying feeling really bad because she used the S word. She kept saying, mama used the S word. And 
I, you know, I was like, what's it? I was thinking it was S-H-I-T, but whatever. And I said, what's the S word? And she went in my ear and said, stupid. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's okay. You know, like these words come out, but like, and then the girl started seeing writing on the slide across the street from where we live. Oh, yeah. Remember, we, there was a park and they saw the F word. And so they'd come home and we'd talk about it really openly. Like, why do people write those words? How does it make them feel? When a kid, because, and then in fifth grade, I remember one of our daughters, I think it was Cameron, she said all of the boys in her class are using these words. And I said, well, let's talk about why do you think they're using them? Mm -hmm. It gives them power. It makes them feel strong. It makes them feel older. Like, it totally makes sense, right? Um, Yet another reason to have a conversation. Yeah. With, so I want to play from one of these experts. Like, so in Freakonomics, he interviews like these famous college professor people. Uh -huh. So this is what one guy's take is on it. So let's see what For, he says. That's just me. And I know many people would rather their children not hear the salty words, at least not until a certain point. I frankly disagree because I think we're living in a different world. If your children around the age of nine are going to start hearing pop songs that are full of shameless profanity, and I have now watched that happen with my two little girls, I'm not sure why they should ever have listened to anything where words were bleeped out because I think we don't give kids enough credit for understanding context. Very early on, my girls noticed that daddy says F a lot. <laughs> they instantly knew he does that, that's funny, but we're not supposed to do it. Yes. And I cannot prescribe for other people and how they raise their kids, but my kids have been raised listening to fluent profanity, not the slurs, but the other ones since birth. All right. So I fully agree, even though I he was probably, you know, maybe he was more loose with that than we were when the girls were young. But that is something. I hey, friends, who smarted? Did you smart, sweetie? No, it wasn't me. Uh, who smarted is the world's funniest educational podcast for families from history to science to pop culture. They make learning fun for the entire family. It's beloved by homeschool families and classroom teachers for its ability to spark conversation and natural curiosity. It's the perfect length for car rides or for fun educational breaks during the day. More than 300 original episodes, each under 20 minutes, and packed with great stories and real facts from the trusted narrator. A few of the most recent episodes are titled Why Are Blue Jeans Blue? What Makes Earth Able to Support Life? And What Are Crayons Made Of? You can listen to Who Smarted on any podcast app just search for who's smarted. And now on with the show. That is something I think that's really important is I would say there's reason why people use swear words. Like there's, it's good. It's not swear words are bad. It's, there's an adult reason, just like you can't drive a car till you're 16 or um, you have to learn how to use these words. Like you have to understand them. You have to understand their value when they hurt. Timing of it, when to use it. Timing yeah. of maturity. Yeah. Um, not with authority figures, you know, like I had, we had to like, we, we don't just say this word is good. This word is bad because that's like talking about, that's like saying to kids, sex is good. Sex is bad. Like, yeah. you know, Oh, sex is not something we want to talk about. It's like, of course we need to talk about this. This is something that when they get older, you hope they have a positive experience with. So with swear words, it's similar. It just wasn't okay when they were young. Like that, it's not time to use those words. Right. Just like it's not time to go to a rated R movie. Mm -hmm. Now, did they sometimes with their friends say blah, 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 blah? Sure, of course, because yeah. they're kids and they're trying things out. So how would you describe, without naming any of our three daughters' names, uh -huh. um, what is what is our mm, household like from their viewpoint regarding what's acceptable and what's not? Well, we've talked about it so much that it the natural evolution to them swearing was not that big of a deal to me. I think mm. it was a little big of a deal to you. Mm. Um, it's still a little, not jarring, but 
I'm like I said, I still got work to do because um, all three of them are swear. Yeah, swear. Well, we have a twenty-year-old, an eighteen-year-old, uh, and a fifteen-year-old. So. I would say that they the times they swear though it's not flippant it's not and like, it's not directed it's not directed anybody it'll be like we're playing Wii we're playing the Wii game you know yeah. like tennis or whatever and they'll be like get uh, 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 yeah. which I think is like a normal yeah. experience right. but Todd will always say something he he doesn't get mad but you'll say like well let's be clear I don't always say it no, no. I always wait be cl- I want to be clear about what I'm saying okay. I don't mean you criticize it you say a funny thing after they say swear oh, words I? you'll go you you use one of our girls names um say snugs oh oh yeah, yeah. yeah. and like got it so I will bring attention that's yeah. true that's true so if if we I have nicknames for each of my kids and if one of them says Swears. a swear word I will jokingly say their name really loud like and they they're know in trouble they yeah. know it's funny they're, yeah like they're in trouble like right. they're gonna get grounded and it's just my way of saying yeah this is an interesting experience for mm-hmm. for your dad that's all yeah which and 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 of course like i understand that with yeah. you um um do but, you want to hear go ahead i was gonna play another clip but you go ahead well i just kind of think that you know gosh it's so interesting because i just think when they're living in our home we get an opportunity. Like, I'll give you an example. When two of my girls were, or when one of my girls was younger, two or three years ago, she kind of got into the habit of saying things like, shut up, shut up. And shut up is something sometimes we say, like I might say to Todd, shut up or, or shut up. or. But the way she was saying it, it had a tone that I said, listen, it's not about the words you're saying, but the way you're saying it is really sharp and ouch. And I know you don't realize that because she's got a pretty strong personality and she's not offended by those things. Like she's one of those kids who'd be like, I wouldn't care if someone said that to me. I said, yeah, but see, to my ears, it sounds harsh. So it's not about shut up. It's about the way it sounds. Sweetie, do you want to hear somebody say shut up? Sure. Hold on. I got to get the right part. I know what you're going to play. Pivot. <laughs> Pivot. 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 Shut up. Sweet, what's that from? That's well, duh. no, don't say duh. Not everybody it's knows. Friends, it's uh, Chandler and um, Rachel and uh, Ross are trying to get his couch up the stairs because he's Ross and you have little in common, Todd, because he didn't want to pay to have it delivered. Yes, so he said, No, we can carry it. That's my guy home, yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, like she if she was like shut up but the way she was saying it i had to tell her that can sound harsh now why am i telling that story because i think sometimes when we let our kids speak organically and naturally and have some autonomy over their words we get to reflect back to them hey in this situation that hurt or when you say that to your sister that's harsh or the way that you're saying that and we get to like continue it's not about teaching but we get to continue to reflect back to them how something may sound. But if we run a tight ship where we're like, you can never swear in front of me and it's not okay, we don't get to practice with them. They don't get to ref- they don't get if to experience. If they're filtering themselves yeah. in front of us, yeah. it prohibits, prevents, reduces the possibility of their authenticity. Of their authenticity. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something we can kind of like hold a mirror up to them yeah. saying, just so you know, that Tweak might Tweak this a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And she did. Like at first she was like, eh, nah, nah. you know, of course. Didn't we kid- like cut it down to like 
saying shut up to your sisters doesn't feel real friendly to us. So can you not do that? So then she started saying shut. Shut. <laughs> so she just left off the upward. So it's like, and and I was more about tone. Yeah. You know, it's like there's words are words and then there's tone. And that's one thing that we talk about a lot in text. You can't read tone. Yeah. So text can be really challenging sometimes because you can't read. Is someone saying, come on, or is someone saying, come on? Text, you know? text is a terrible way of communicating. Right. And so like with our kids, we're not just teaching, say this, don't say this. We're like, how do you use this? When are you using it? Are you using it to hurt someone or are you using it to make a point? Are you using it for humor are you, or are you using it for power? Like it's got a lot of different vibes to it. Um, here's a little piece on class and vocabulary. Okay. okay. Working class, but they're swearing everywhere. They're swearing in every class. This class oriented view of swearing is snobbery. Mm. It's a way to put the working person down, the lower classes down. Jay has seen further evidence in his own research. We gave people a task. Say all the words you can think of that begin with the letter F. Say all the words that begin with the letter A. Then you give them a minute to do that. It's a measure of fluency. Then I ask them, all right, name all the animals you can in a minute. And then name all the swear words you can in a minute. Which if you try to do this, you can get out about 10 quickly. <laughs> The people who generated the most swear words were the people who generated the most letter words and animals. It's the opposite of what people think. People that have a high vocabulary also have a high swearing vocabulary. I believe that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? I believe it. And and that's the thing. Like, I really don't spend time with a lot of people who don't swear occasionally. Like, I don't really... When people are really hard on their kids about it. And again, I understand why you are when they're little. I get it. There's child developmentally appropriate time. But it's kind of like anything else. I think when your kids start to, um, when they start to play with something, when they start to practice something, when they're starting to like um, dig into something, they're telling you, this is something that's becoming interesting to me. And and they may not say, how do I use swear words, mom? But they're they're kind of play acting them a little bit. Like, how, how do I do this? And we get to reflect back to them, you know, this is appropriate or this isn't. There was one of our daughters said that, I think it was one of our daughters, that she was she was hearing all these swear words and she started writing them all down because mm. she was kind of trying to figure out their power. Mm-hmm. Like, why are these words powerful? And so you understand that your kids are negotiating with this, you know, like they're trying to um, reconcile where these words belong. And I think the more we can talk about it in our home, yeah. the better verse they'll be. Like they'll, they'll understand time and place. No doubt. Um, and they're still going to make mistakes with it. Um, there have been times... Like some of my best presentations that I've ever given, I've used swear words or, you know, been completely myself. And then there's been occasions where I've sworn and people have said to me afterwards, can you please not swear? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to think about your audience, but you never really know. Right. And so my my end, you know. Well, and it's funny, like talking about presenting something, whether you're at a board meeting at work and you're presenting something and this may get a little messy, but. I feel like if you and I are doing a parenting presentation and we go in and just speak the way people speak, which includes curse words, Mm -hmm. it kind of like removes any of the hoity-toityness of the message that we're trying trying to to convey. 
I'm trying to be a normal human, yeah. having the same experience, but I'm not throwing them in there in a in an inorganic way. Like yeah. I, I, I'm trying to be like, well, damn, mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, like I, no one would go, oh darn. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how people talk. Oh gosh, da- gosh golly. Oh gosh golly. Like that's not what we say. And so, are you ready for a clip on relationship between swearing and honesty? If it's short, uh, it's sort of it's ish. Okay. When we swear, what are we trying to accomplish? Here's a clue. In 2017, an international group of researchers ran a series of experiments to analyze the relationship between profanity and honesty. They found that people who swear are perceived as more authentic. Here again is John McWhorter. Part of becoming close to people, part of becoming part of a group, is to be able to let your hair down, is to show that you don't think you're better than other people. And one of the best ways to do that is to use salty language. That is normal human behavior. And here is Timothy Jay on the various uses of swearing. It's humor, it's bonding, it's defending yourself, it's putting people down, it's self-denigration, it's storytelling. Jay has written about... It's pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, and I so agree. Like, And I was just thinking, you know, what else would parents want to hear about when it comes to their kids? I'm trying to think of the things I've heard from parents when it comes to their kids swearing. I've heard them say things, well, yeah, but if, if I say it's okay, maybe they'll go to someone's house and use it and it won't be okay. And I think that what we in these conversations with our kids about swearing is we let them know not everybody's comfortable with this. Like there's a lot of conversations we have in our home where I've said, you know, this is stuff you're learning that we're teaching you, but this is not for you to go teach the neighborhood. Like, you know, when you're having talks with your kids about sex or sexuality or gender, whatever at home, you're not like now go teach all the children. Like everybody has their own value system and honoring that. Like that, it's not about these people. Deal, they deal don't with swear. my habits. If you right. know somebody's not into it, you then value their, you deal with it. You value yeah. their way, or you honor their value system. Their is the way I want to say it. Sure. And and that is a part of learning words. Appro- you know, learning words that work for you in a relationship in a conversation. Because here's the thing: people may say, "Well, I want to use whatever words I want to." Words are not for you. Words are for other people to communicate. Right. So if you are saying like, well, what I'm going to use whatever I want, you're not communicating. Yeah, whenever we communicate, we're saying something. And whatever right. we're saying, we're saying it usually to a person. Always. And we want to convey a certain message. Correct. And if you are disregarding the recipient Correct. of that message, then you're not doing a good job of communicating. And that's why if I give a presentation at a certain place and they say, don't swear, I'm like, okay, because yeah. that's their value system in that place. And and it may not be my favorite presentation I ever gave, but I'm trying to honor they invited me and that's the right thing. Um, so, you know, and, and on this podcast, like you and I could have an explicit if we wanted, mm-hmm. but we're like, a lot of people tell us, they listen to this with their kids in the car. So we're trying to honor yeah. that, that trust. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play one last clip and then we're going to close shop, but it's pretty good. Uh, It's about the physiological benefits of swearing. So here we go. That shows physiological benefits as well. Melissa Moore is also a fan of this research. Well, yeah. So it's basically if you're swearing or hearing swear words, your skin conductance response changes. So, you know, the way your skin conducts electricity, there is a famous ice bucket challenge where you can stick your hand in ice water longer if you're using a swear word Mm -hmm. than if you're not using a swear word. Someone also did a grip challenge. 
challenge. You can, you know, hold a gripper with more strength and for longer if you're swearing. That's interesting. It'd be fun to try that with current Isn't that interesting? It is. You know what I'm thinking of? And it just came to me because she was saying that um, in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, the movie. Yeah, when he's getting the hair removed He's getting the hair removed and the things he's saying are he's just swearing, you know? And and Steve Carell is not acting in that scene. He's having a real experience. He's having a... They are truly removing the chest hair. And he's a hairy dude. And the woman who was hired to remove the chest hair is an actress. She is not an esthetician or a a waxer. Um, And so she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of layers to that. (laughs) There's a part where they put this, the the wax in the tape over his nipple. I know. Oh my gosh. And she didn't, like, that's the thing. She was just like, they're like, keep going, keep going. And then she was smiling. (laughs) He's like, stop smiling. smiling. That's one of the funniest scenes in that movie. But it's like, it, you know, it's one of those classic scenes because that's what would happen. Yeah. You know, it's like they were totally improv Yes. Um, and she has, he has Seth Rogen to hold his hand. Yeah. Oh, he's man. like, oh, my hand. He's like, no, man. Um, any closing thoughts about swearing? I'm just going to keep uh, exploring my own relationship with it. Not that I'm beating myself up over it, but I do feel like there's a sense of I need to present myself in this goody two-shoes way. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to start... Doing things well, and I understand that. Like, I didn't really swear around my parents, and I think when I was in certain situations, I was very um, contained, and so I think that's why I like to swear with my friends because it's a pressure valve. It's like a release, um, and obviously, I mean that you know, there's like there's certain situations where this is appropriate and this is not appropriate, and we learn that as we live. We're not just going to know that. Like, if you're like, well, how do I teach my kids? what's appropriate and what's not. They're going to learn it as they go and you're going to give give them guidance as they go and talk to them about the words. Like instead of making them feel guilty, ask them why, how that word makes them feel. Does it make them feel a little older, a little stronger, a little more mature? Like understand it. You can still say, please don't use that in the house or don't use that at school. You can still give them guidance, but maybe relate instead of admonish. Is that a word? Admonish? Uh, Yeah, that that is a word. Is it admonish? Yes. Okay. Um, I was about to play Clark Griswold's holiday rant, but I'm too lazy to cut out all the swear words. Can you think of any PTA, other... PTA. Planes, uh, trains, and automobiles. Trains. Any other movies where there's famous scenes of people swearing? But yeah, I think PTA, PTA Steve is Martin the one. is probably the biggest one. And then Clark Griswold where he's like, don't touch. I know. Well, that, Dad, he does that in the original um, Did you need an aspirin or something? Yeah, that. Oh my god! And then he does the same thing in Christmas. Um, so, but you can't play it. Uh, I mean, because then could, you gotta but, bleep it all but out. But there's so many. It's it's kind of a pain in the butt to bleep. Yeah, so. don't do it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's that's my take, Taddy. Um. Okay, babe. Um. In closing, what are some other things I want to... So, Jeremy... Wait, I want to say something. I My book won an award Yay. last week. Uh, there's a thing called the Nautilus Awards. Um, and I actually won a Nautilus Award four or five years ago for um, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. What was that called? What was my book called? Um, my first... The self-aware one that Parent? I, no, not The Self-Aware Parent. It was for... Um, Zen Parenting? Oh, te- um, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. Oh, yeah. That book, I won a Nautilus Award, and then I won one for Zen Parenting this week. And what was fun about it is there's a silver award and a gold award, and I won the silver award for Zen Parenting. And our friend um, Dana Suskin, who wrote uh, Parent Nation, she was on our podcast and part of our um, virtual community, she won the gold. So it's just fun to, you know, share that. This is for both of you guys. Thank you. Nice job. Thank you. I was very... um, 
I was very grateful. You should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mother's Day is coming up, right? Yeah. Go get Zen Parenting. Go get Zen Parenting, the book. Mm-hmm. And um, For your significant other or for another mom or for a pregnant mom or for just someone who um, kind of is in the middle of it yep. with their kids. And uh, if you're thinking of doing any remodeling or painting in or around your house and you live in the Chicagoland area, don't forget about our partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 6309561800. Men living, connecting deeply, living fully, Todd Adams coaching, one-on-one coaching for guys, um, Team Zen, all that good stuff. Anything else, babe? No, that's it. I've already moved on. I'm like texting people. (laughs) Um, Sorry, honey. All right, so we will see you all next Tuesday. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.